Today we reach the heart of the gospel, rescued. And this is the good news, which completely overcomes the bad news which we heard last week. So let's start with a recap. First came created, which answered the question, why is there something rather than nothing? We as human beings are created in God's image and likeness, and so we're meant to be God's representatives and stewards here on earth. And we also have free will, which makes us able to love God, but also makes us able to turn away from God. The angels were also created with free will, and that includes Lucifer, who used his free will to turn against God. He chose to reject God and became the devil. And out of his envy for us human beings, he chose to wage war against us. Jesus calls Satan the ruler of this world. And Satan hates us, he wants to destroy us, and he captured us. And that's the bad news we heard last week. Today, the good news. Jesus rescued us. I love that image of a riptide to show just how good this news is. Imagine being in a riptide, carried out to sea, totally desperate, nothing you can possibly do to save yourself, panicking and despairing. And then all of a sudden, the lifeguard is there rescuing you. That's the good news, bringing you from total despair into life. So today I want to answer two fundamental questions. First, why did Jesus come? And then second, what did Jesus do? Why did he come? Going back to created, how good is each one of us? We are tov meod, overwhelmingly good, and God's love for us is infinite. God will never let us be lost. Jesus will do whatever it takes to rescue us from our captor. I am that important to Jesus, and you are that important to Jesus. Why are we that important to Jesus? I don't have a great answer for that. I'm not really sure, but I know that we are because Jesus himself told us that. So Jesus came because we're that important to him and because he loves us, and he came to rescue us. And that means that he came to defeat Satan. He came to free all of us who Satan had enslaved. Father Ricardo says, God became man to fight, to go to war, to liberate an oppressed race, and to free prisoners. There's another great Hebrew word worth knowing, goel, and we translate it most often as redeemer, one who sets free. In the Hebrew context, Goel was the, the next of kin who had the obligation of setting you free if somebody took you captive. And it might be by paying a ransom, it might be by rescuing you, whatever it was. But it was that next of kin. So in choosing to be our Goel, in choosing to be our Redeemer, Jesus already decided that he is our nearest family member, our next of kin, and that we matter to him as much as his family members. We are his family members, and he will do whatever it takes to free us. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, says that our world is enemy-occupied territory, and Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed in disguise and is calling us all to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. And next week, we'll talk more about that campaign of sabotage. Today, I want to highlight how awesome that sounds. The rightful king 
landing in disguise to take his kingdom back. I know I would watch that movie. It sounds like a great premise. And too often our portrayal of Christianity and of Jesus himself seems unimportant or even boring. The rightful king taking his kingdom back from an evil usurper is anything but boring. So how did he do it? What did Jesus do? And the answer to that question lies in, what was Jesus doing on the cross? So Jesus came to this world to fight Satan, and on the cross is where he won. Now, if you look at the crucifix, does that look like a warrior who is winning? Not so much, and yet that's exactly what's happening up there. A question which helps us understand this is how did God end up nailed to a cross? He's still all-powerful. If Jesus is there, it's because he wants to be there and he chooses to be there. So what was he doing on the cross? We normally talk about two things which Jesus did on the cross, both of which are very true. First, Jesus shows us how much the Father loves us and the how far he's willing to go for us. And then the second thing is Jesus makes atonement for our sins as the sacrificial lamb who takes our place. But there's a third very important thing that Jesus is doing on the cross, and that is fighting Satan. And Father Ricardo uses the image of an ambush predator to show how Jesus defeats Satan. And he's actually drawing this from the history of the fathers of the church. An ambush predator is an animal which makes itself look weak or harmless to lure in its victim, lays an ambush for it. Satan isn't stupid, and Satan would never fight God head on. But he loves to attack those who are wounded and weak. And so Jesus made himself wounded and weak and laid an ambush for Satan to attack him. Jesus came to die so as to destroy death from within. And like I said, Father Ricardo didn't make up this idea. It has a fairly substantial theological history. Melito of Sardis in the second century put these words in the mouth of Jesus. I am he who destroys death, who triumphs over the enemy and binds the strong man. Saint Irenaeus in the third century wrote that Jesus waged war against our enemy. Saint Ephraim in the fourth century, and this is great, he says, death slew Jesus by means of the body which he had assumed, concealed beneath the cloak of his manhood, his Godhead engaged death in combat. But in slaying our Lord, death itself was slain. Jesus came in search of a chariot in which to ride to the underworld. The understanding being Jesus came and became human so that he could die, so that he could then destroy our death from the inside. He could fight Satan and overcome Satan through his death. And Satan didn't realize that it was God himself who was dying, and so he fell for that bait. He took him, and in taking Jesus into death, death itself was defeated. And Maximus the Confessor in the seventh century says that his flesh was set before that voracious, gaping dragon as bait. Jesus defeats death and hell from the inside. And Jesus defeats Satan by allowing Satan to kill him. 
And Satan doesn't realize who Jesus is or what Jesus is doing, and so he falls for the bait. I like to think on the cross, when Jesus cries out, it is finished, what he's really saying is, I have won the victory. I have defeated Satan. Father Ricardo lists eight consequences of Jesus' victory. I'm not going to talk about all of them, but here are some. Satan has been defeated and has no more power over us. And therefore, we should not fear him. And he continues to try to capture us again by lying and by accusing and by dividing. But he can't take us by force. Death has been defeated. The resurrection is real, and no one in heaven feels like they missed out on living on earth, because heaven is better, and we should not fear death. Jesus recreated us, which means we can, in fact, change. But that change doesn't come about through our own efforts. It comes about through allowing Jesus to change us. It comes about through surrender to Jesus and to his Holy Spirit. Jesus gave us authority over the enemy, and this is huge. Our authority means that in the name and power of Jesus, we can renounce Satan, and he will have to flee before us. Last week, I asked some reflection questions about how is the devil accusing me, lying to me, or discouraging me? Today, know this and recognize this. If we renounce Satan's lies and accusations in Jesus' name, Satan must flee. We have that authority. You have that authority. Jesus gave you that authority over the devil. Use that authority. Renounce his lies and accusations. And finally, Jesus sent us on a mission to get his world back, and we will talk more about that next week. Once again, to highlight the goodness of the good news, I'm going to say a few of those consequences in reverse, just to show what it would have been like. If Jesus had not defeated Satan, then Satan would still have power over us, and we should fear him, and he could hurt us at will. When we died, there would be no heaven for us, and we would have no chance to be with God for eternity, and we would have no authority to stop Satan from doing whatever he wanted in our lives. The power of Satan and sin and death should not be minimized or ignored, but the infinitely greater power and authority which Jesus has over sin and death and which he has given to us should be recognized and celebrated, and we should live our lives in continual thanksgiving. Jesus defeated Satan. That's the gospel. That is the good news. The incredibly, unbelievably overwhelming good news. So for reflection today, here's some questions. Does knowing that Jesus isn't a victim, but rather a victorious warrior, change how I see the crucifix? Am I afraid of death or am I afraid of Satan? And where in my life do I need Jesus' power and authority to confront Satan's lies and accusations? And then next week, we will talk more about our response to what Jesus has done for us. But for today, those questions again. 
Does knowing Jesus isn't a victim, but rather a victorious warrior, change how I see the crucifix? Am I afraid of death, or am I afraid of Satan? And where in my life do I need Jesus' power and authority to confront Satan's lies and accusations?